that's listening and letting us know that they're listening. And I appreciate that so much. Uh, God's letting me preach to more people than I've preached to in my life. And I just thank God for it. And the Word of God is doing its work, too, in people's lives. But uh, I, I was trying to say that the, how much the Bible means to me, just going back and reading it all the way through over again. Tonight, I want to talk to you about why people are fighting the old King James Bible so much. And they are. They want to get rid of it. They want to bring in new versions of the Bible. And uh, I challenge anybody to take any of the versions you want to and go through the, and put them right side by side. Years ago, a man gave me a book that I wouldn't take anything for. It's called The Gospels in Peril. In Peril. And on each page of that of the Bible, like the uh, uh, Mark, Matthew, I say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they're on that same page of the same subjects. And I've studied that book so many times because you've got it right there before you, uh, on what each one of the writers are saying about the same subject. And so I've studied that very much. And I challenge anybody to take the King James Bible and read it and read it every word all the way through and tell me there is a mistake in it or God contradicts it in any way. I I laughed at old Dr. Harold Sadler one time say, uh, everybody says there's contradiction and mistakes in the King James Bible. He said, Isn't that something? I've read it through all these years, I can't find one. <laughs> and that's the truth. What happens is that people won't study the Bible. They'll just read it. And what they do is read it through and they'll come across a subject and just one portion of it and they think they got all they are to say about that subject. That's not true. You've got to take all of the Word of God and put it together on that particular subject if you want to understand it. And so I challenge anybody to find an error in the King James Bible or find a contradiction in the King James Bible. Now, what I want to talk to you about, why is it that uh, if the King James Bible is so perfect, and it is, and the reason it's so perfect is the Word of God. And if it was not the Word of God, then it wouldn't be perfect. But it is perfect. And if it's so perfect, why would you want to mess with it? Why does people challenge it all the time and try to come up with some other version. You can go to any bookstore here in Brandon. I haven't been lately, but the last time I went, and I went to several of them trying to find something, and I asked each one of them as I was going, do you have a King James Bible? Yeah, we got them over here behind the counter. And they got all the rest of them out front. And that's, that's strange to me. Used to, when I was a little boy, there wasn't nothing but a King James Bible just about it. That's all you'd find in people's homes and everywhere you'd go. And so what I'm asking tonight is why is people fighting the King James Bible? Now I want to read in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And I want, to go with you. I want you to go with me now. And I want to read several verses and then find Psalms 19. Romans chapter 3 verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, we know why. For we have before proved both Jew and Gentile that they're all under sin. 
As written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understand it. There's none that seek it after God. They're all going out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is open scepter. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of ass is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatsoever thing, what things soever the law saith, is said to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law uh, uh, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Pray with me, please. Father, we pray in Jesus' name you bless the reading and studying of thy word tonight to each of our hearts as you see fit that we need it. And every one of us need it for some reason or others in our life. We need that precious word. So we ask you, Lord, deal with us individually tonight according to our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn over with me now to Psalms 19 for a minute. Psalms 19. I want to begin to read verse 7. The Lord of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now when you read these verses, to understand these verses like Romans chapter 3 verse 9 through 23 and Psalm 19, we need to understand the most of the time the Bible speaks of the law. It's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. It's talking about the whole Bible unless it clarifies itself and says the Ten Commandments. Now, notice in Psalms 19, in these verses, God refers, God's Word refers to the Bible as the law, as the testimony, as the statutes, as the commandments, as the judgments of the Lord. Now, all those statements are directed toward the Bible as a whole. Now, the reason the Bible is being attacked so today is because of verse 20 which says, the last part of it, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. How many times have you ever talked to somebody and tried to lead them to Christ and, and you tried to show them that they're a sinner lost on the way to hell? I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. Well, according to Romans 9, uh, chapter 3, verse 9 through 23, there's none righteous. There's none good. And, and the Bible makes that very clear. Now, we would have not known that if the Bible had not told us that. Now, the, whole, the holy law of God, the Bible reveals our sinfulness in and causes us to recognize our need. I'm praying for a man that he's under conviction, and I, I really am. I want to see his life change and him come to church and serve the Lord and... Uh, I, I watched him. He was at a funeral the other day that me and Brother Barry was at. And I watched, uh, reading the Bible, I watched the Lord get a hold of him. 
And that's the joy of preaching, believe it or not. It's preaching the Word of God and watching the Lord do the work. Amen? And I can see the Lord working in that man's life, and I pray for Him every day. Now, I want to show you something. I get up here and I preach, and by the foolishness of preaching, the Bible says men's souls are converted or saved. I've never understood all of that, but I know it's true. Now, but... When you come to the Word of God, all I say in between reading the Word of God, I can I can clarify some things. But I know one thing: when you read the Word of God, it won't return to your boy, but it'll get a hold of you, and it'll convict you of your sin. And what I'm saying about that, people don't like that. They don't like to be under conviction. It's like a man told me one time, "Come to church. I ain't coming back to this church because you make me feel uneasy every time I come to church." And I said, well, I ain't done nothing. Just preach the Word of God. It's not me that's making you uneasy. It's the Word of God that's making you uneasy. Now, I want to give you some. Romans 4, verse 15, Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there's no transgression. Now, what that simply means is, if you go down Parson, or, or John Moore Road out here, and there's a sign up there that says 40 mile an hour, and you go 70 mile an hour, you done broke the law. But if there's no sign out there, there's nothing that tells you that the speed limit is 40 miles an hour, then you can go fast you want to, uh, if unless the city's ordinance says you not to. Why? Because there's no law. They got a highway in Germany uh, that I've heard about. The, I forgot the name of that crazy thing. You go fast you want to on that highway. That's absolutely stupid. You know? And, and I've thought about that many a time. There ought to be some kind of law out there that said be careful or something. And But uh, where there's no law, then there's no transgression. And the Bible says the Bible is the law of God. Now, if there's no speed limit, then you can't get a ticket for breaking the speed limit. I never will forget right down here on a little bitty road I was going to the post office. And I forgot the name of that road now. But anyhow, I turned just, just a little road. I turned down in my old truck I had years ago, and the cop pulled me over you know, on a motorcycle. Pulled me over. And I said, what did you stop me for? He said, you're speeding. I said, ain't no sign up here. He said, look right behind you back down there, 25 mile an hour. I said, that speed limit sign worked there last week. He said, I don't care, it's up there now. And I, I said, well, let me give you this. Between that sign and here, I can't break that 25 mile an hour on this truck. He said, okay, I'll give you a ticket for not wearing a seatbelt in. <laughs> and he wrote me out a ticket. But uh, I've thought about that a many a time. When it comes to the law of the Lord, the Bible says where there's no law, there's no transgression. Now, if there's no set boundary then there's no such thing as transgression or stepping over the bounds that God has set. And if there's no set authorities, uh, authority book, then there's no violation of the principles of that book. So people attack the Bible, God's Word, to uh, exonerate its authority. The Bible says, where the Word of the King is, there's power. Now, Romans chapter 7. Look with me please in Romans chapter 7 and verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. 
For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So what the Bible is saying here, just as simple as this, I didn't know what was right and wrong as far as God's concerned until the Bible says so. Amen? Now, if you don't have a Bible that tells you everything that God says is wrong to God, then we're in a mess. Now, I want you to give you this something. Romans chapter 7, verse 12 and verse 13. Look at it with me. Go back to verse 12. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now, every one of us are sinners. We need something to tell us when we sin against God. And the Word of God, the Bible, is that law. Now, when you undermine the authority of God's Word, then people don't see sin as exceeding sinful. Sin isn't that bad anymore. I, I laugh at people that are talking about I've had several people just lately come up to me and say, I'm betting on Super Bowl. I'm betting on something about the Super Bowl or something. And what are you betting on, preacher? I said, I don't bet. Amen? I like what Brother McCracken said years ago. Somebody said, uh, Brother McCracken, how much you win on the lottery? He said, you can't win if you don't play. Amen? And it's just that simple. Uh, and we we hear people talking about playing a lottery and betting on things, and and it, that's just a little sin, you know. Like there ain't nothing to that. Yes, there is. That's sin. Now listen to me. If there's no divine authority, if there's no perfect word of God, if there's no revelation from God, then man can decide for himself what is right and what is wrong. But the law of God, the Bible condemns men for doing wrong. It convicts, it compels them to correct things that's called repentance in the Bible. That produces a change in the course of people's actions. Now, God tells us the purpose of the Bible. Now, I want you to read it. I want you to watch it. I won't be long tonight because I want to show you something. In 2 Timothy, if you would please, chapter 3, and let's begin to read verse 16 and verse 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means God breathed it out. And is proper. What for? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished in all good works. You know what that word perfect means in verse 17? It means you ought to be a grown-up Christian. That's simply what it means. It's not perfect that we don't sin no more. It's just that we get to the place in our life that we grow up, we learn what God demands of us, and we want to do right. Now, doctrine is a declaration of what is right according to God. What's the Bible for? It's a declaration of what is right with God then. Uh, Secondly, uh, reprove is a declaration of what is wrong and it's rebuttal. 
correction, tells us how to get it right, and compels us to do so. Instruction in righteousness tells us uh, how to keep it right and how to maintain our righteousness. In other words, if I want, I want in my heart, I want to be right with God. I really do. If I know myself, which I don't, the Bible said we don't even know our own heart, but I wish I could. If I know myself tonight, I want to be right with God. How am I going to do that? You get in the Bible, and the Bible says for doctrine, for declaration of what is right, it's there. For reproof, i got something going on in my life I ought not to. The Bible said He'll rebuttal that. He'll, he'll make you understand what's wrong. For correction, He'll tell you how to get it right. For instruction, after all of that, He'll tell you how to live after that. That's what the Word of God's for. Now, Second Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I char- Now think about this for just a minute. Here's an old preacher, and he's talking to a young preacher coming up, and he's giving him instruction on what to do as a young preacher. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own love shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into favor. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. You know what he's talking about here? He's simply telling this young preacher, he said, all you've got to do is preach the Word of God. That's your job. It's not to argue with people about the Word of God. You just preach it like it is and leave it. The hardest thing I had to learn as, as a preacher is I wanted to preach the Word of God and then go out and do the Word of God's work for it. I wanted to correct people. Oh, you need to quit smoking. You need to quit drinking. You need to quit. The, you need to treat your wife right. You need to do all these. I want to tell everybody. You need to do these things. Get right with the Lord. That's not my job. My job is to preach the Word of God, and don't deviate from it. Leave it right there. Don't argue with it. Don't let nobody come and try to change you from preaching the Word of God. Just preach it like it is. And then the Bible says, and then God will do the work. He will take His Word and deal with each person that sits on the Word of God and listen to it. Then, notice He said, Reprove is like turning the light or making people aware of their situation. And then He talks about rebuke. This means to put a pressure on, make people feel the pressure of those principles of which they are violating. I want to. I, I told this man. I said, "Man, I wouldn't want to go to church." Somebody told me here a while back that everybody wants to go to church now just to feel good. That's why they go to church, you know, just just to feel good. Uh, you might not believe this. I ain't the reason I read the Bible. I read the Bible because I don't want to feel good. I want God to rebuke me. I want God to re- to correct me. That's not easy. And that's not pleasant. 
I mean, you, you get in the Word of God, you're doing something wrong, buddy. The Word of God will tell you. He'll tell you. And He'll tell you, He'll rebuke you for what you're doing. Then it says exhort. This means to give an invitation or give people a means of correcting what is wrong. I said at the service the other day, it was in, I said, you know, I preach the Word of God, and you know what preaching is? It's just giving you information of the Word of God. And a preacher uh, that's preaching the Gospel always should give some kind of invitation for people to react to what God has given out. We're not just to throw it out and leave it. Uh, it makes me think of these two ladies that were visiting years ago from the church and they come up to Red Light and they wanted to be a soul winner so bad and a man walked across the front of them and they said, Sir, if you was to die today, do you know where you go to heaven? No, I don't. Uh, could I take the Bible and show you how to go to heaven? Yes, you can. Light chain, they drove on. Here's a man right to the place that he wanted to be saved. And all they did is give him that and drive off. I want to ask you something. Did he get saved? Maybe by the grace of God, he heard the Word of God uh, just uh, enough. But what I'm trying to say is that when you exhort somebody, that's giving them the invitation to react to it. In other words, when, I, when, when the Bible is read, when the Bible is preached, when you really think about it, that's the law of God. The dictionary says the word law means a rule, a particularly an established, a permanent rule prescribed by supreme power of a sovereign authority to its subjects for regulating their actions, particularly their social actions. That's law. This is God's law. I don't know what God wants from me if I didn't have the Bible. Listen, there are three basic kinds of law. There's the imperative law, which command is, is concerning what shall be done. If God says something in an imperative law, brother, if He says, Thou shalt not do this and you do it anyhow, and He says you'll pay for it. You can bet on it, you're going to pay for it. Amen? That's the imperative law. Then there's a prohibited law. That's restraining us of what is to be forbidden. God gives us a law and tells us not to do it. He wants to substrain us from doing it because it's forbidden by God. Now, I, I, I'm one of these preachers, and some of you might not know it, but I made a, when God called me to preach, one of the things I wrote down that I would never marry a saved person to an unsaved person. Or I will never marry somebody that's been divorced, uh, no matter what. And you say, well, preacher, when you get saved, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. I know all of that, but this is my decision for God. Had nothing to do with you. I made those rules for myself. And I've had people all down through the ministry come to me, can't you make an exception for me, preacher? I'm your friend. I know you. I've known you ever since I can remember. And I want to get married to this. I'll change her. I'll get her saved. I'll change him. No, you won't. Because the Bible says you won't. And, and, if I, and what, this, what I'm saying there, there is a prohibiting law. And God said, don't do it. And if you do it, you'll pay for it. Then there's a permissive law. 
declaring what it may be done without incurring a penalty. <clears throat> Did you know God's got a permissive will and a perfect will? God's got a perfect will. If you, if you want to be right with God every day of your life, God tells you how to do it. But He will permit you to do some things. But you'll pay for it. That's a permissive will of God. Now, I want you to watch it. He doesn't kill everybody that does wrong. He, he permits them to do wrong. But then, he, then you'll pay for what you do wrong. The Bible serves these three functions for a child of God. There must be a sovereign authority in man's life. And those who reject the sovereign authority of God become, become their own sovereign authority as Lucifer did in Isaiah 14. There must be an accurate revelation of the law of God. And that's what we have in the King James Bible. Now here's what I'm saying. Back to our original question. Why is the Bible being under attacked or the King James Bible being attacked? It's the same reason people refuse to believe in God. Somebody comes along and says, I'm an atheist. You know why they say that? They don't want to deal with God. That's the whole thing. They just don't want to deal with God. They don't want God to rule over them. They don't want God to convict them. And so if they say in their mind, there is no God, then I'm, uh, he's saying, then I don't have to answer to God. Now, here it is. And if there's no God, then there's no authority. And there can be no authority revelation or will of God. If there's no revelation, there are no absolutes, no concrete laws. If there's no laws, there's no human responsibility to obey laws. If there's no responsibility, there can be no transgression. If there's no transgression or violation, there is no penalty. If there's no penalty, there's no guilt or fear. If there's no guilt or fear, man can do what he wants to and choose to believe whatever he wants to, to believe with no negative consequences or accountability. <coughs> now, if you go in, ju in ju Judges 21... In verse 25, listen to what it says. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You know what it said? There was nobody to tell me the law of God. And, the Bible, and God allowed every man to do whatever he wanted to. Now listen to this. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. If a man is left to himself and he does as he pleases, <coughs> go back to the children of Israel. Before the law came, they did as they pleased. But look where they ended up. Under bondage. And what the Bible says, there is a way which seemeth right unto man. If, <coughs> if you leave man to himself, he figures out what's right and wrong. The Bible says what he thinks is right is not right. Because the end of that is death. And on every occasion, the children of Israel did that what was right in their own eyes. It brought the judgment of God upon them. Now I want to finish by this. People attack the Bible to eliminate some of the commands and statements in the Bible to justify their action. So uh, some do it to escape doctrinal truths. John 3, verse 7. You must be born again. Now listen to me. 
You can preach your good feeling sermons all day long. That ain't going to get you to heaven. Uh, I know preachers that preach that kind of preaching. But if they're trying to escape the doctrine of truth, you must be born again to go to heaven. Some do it to escape the fact that there is a literal hell. I never will forget on TV this man was being interviewed and as one of his interviews he had an opportunity to tell the whole world that there is a little hell a burning lake of fire don't go there except Christ and keep him going there you know what he said well we don't preach negative things like that right on national TV now let me tell you something you know what he's done he's left the Bible he eliminates God's word and said, I don't want to go into God's Word. It's simply this. They attack the Bible, especially the King James Bible, to escape authority and correction. They need to repent and fear, and they fear the consequences. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Psalms 119, verse 89. God's Word is settled in heaven forever. Amen? Now, the answer to this is found in John chapter 2, and verse 5. You remember what Jesus said to those that when he, uh, he was turning water into wine? They came to the mother of Jesus, or Mary, and they asked Mary, uh, we have no wine. And she said, whatever he says, do it. That's all she said. James 2 verse 5. Whatever he saith unto you, do it. They went and got some pots, filled it with water, because that's exactly what he told him to do. That's silly. Go and get a pot and fill it with water, and it's going to be wine. Who ever heard of that? But do what he says. Amen. And when he did what he says, guess what? Best of the wine. Amen. What I'm trying to say is, don't argue with the Word of God. Don't get another book and try to change it. Don't get another version and try to change it. I got uh, uh, some notes in my office that I can go through and I show you every version that I know of anyhow, of, of versions of the Bible, and I can show you how they change just a little word or just a little something in it, and it changed the whole meaning of the Scripture that tries, God's trying to get across. So you don't change it. Amen? Just read it. And ask the Holy Spirit to deal with you. And He'll do it. Let's pray. Father, go with us on our way home. Watch over and keep us. Thank You so much for Your precious Word. We love it the best we know how. And oh, we want to love it more every day. We want to read it and study it. And realize in every word that we read of it, it comes directly out of Your heart and out of Your mouth. It's pinned down by men, but it's Your precious Word. And dear God, we want to hear from You from on high. Bless us, we pray tonight in Jesus' name.